Canley. You want a piece of me? Oh yeah. I'm not afraid of you. Well maybe. Oh yeah. Let's end this. It's time for the rules of acquisition. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we are going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest TV show to do serialization in Star Trek. Pretty okay. With me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello. Uh, oh, and uh, my name is Wade Bowen. We are talking about an episode tonight called, uh, what is it? To the, Fort- to the death. <laughs> yeah, to the death. It is episode 22 of season four. It originally aired on May 13th, 1996. And here is the IMDb description. A renegade group of Jim Hadar plunders Deep Space Nine. Cisco agrees to combat operations with loyal Jim Hadar to prevent renegades completing a planetary gateway. This one's also directed by LeVar Burton, who I think is one of the better directors I agree. of these shows. I think if you... He's been a workhorse on this one, yeah. I think if you look at how some of these are framed, because um, you're working with a box, you know, 1996, yeah. not like mm-hmm. widescreen format. He does a couple things that I think are notably different. He moves the camera around. He's not afraid to actually move the camera. And he frames uh, the faces. And I think some of the blocking of the scenes are a, a bit of a cut above the normal blocking. Where it's just shoulders and head. And yeah. cut to one head and cut to another head. He does he does some interesting things with the framing the characters. So, yeah, I think this is a, this is yeah. a great episode. Yeah, I know. I the introduction so. of of Waylon, played by Jeffrey Combs, who is, Wayun, in yeah. my opinion, the super utility player of modern Star Trek, like the most important. And not only that, you you get him. He he shows up, yeah. and then you also get Brad Thompson. Oh yes, great. And you can always Brad Thompson, Brian Thompson. Sorry, we saw on a recent episode of the Orville. Yeah, which we saw recently on an episode of the Orville. Yeah, I was, I was like, is it, his brother's in it too. I was like, I saw Brian Thompson. You're telling me Brad? <laughs> Wait, who's Brad no, Thompson? <laughs> you get Brian Thompson, who's just. Uh, I mean, you can tell by his. Uh, he's got a yeah. face. He's got a natural face wrinkle that still shows up through all of the before the, <laughs> the, the Jim and Dar makeup. makeup. You also get Clarence Williams the third, Link from Mod Squad. Prince's dad in Purple Rain. Just a great actor. Just a just this this episode is oh, is he a Metcalon or whatever? Yeah, yeah he's, he's a Metcalon. Yeah, Metcalon. Yeah. He's uh just this cast is Yeah. This episode is why I love Deep Space Nine. Everything about it was like a Yeah. Yeah. They cram a lot of story into this episode. Like I was like, is this gonna be a two part no it's not i mean Mm -hmm. they kind of shave off the end you know where they but it's it's pretty good job of fitting all the story into this short yeah not not only that though 
for an action-packed episode because there's there's a lot of action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, it's about it's about a military operation essentially. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of t- like downtime. Well, yeah, it's not about it's not about the mission. It's about the the getting the glue. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is about the mission. Yeah. Well, it's about them coming together right. for them and like sure. the the, yeah, the yeah. clash of cultures. There's a lot of. And then, I guess that's what I meant to say is for for an episode about a military operation mission. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of you know downtime. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. they used to do character stuff and catch us up on. Oh yeah, because we haven't had the Jim Hadar world in a, a long time. Like the world. No, no. And so there's a lot of catching up on that. Like if you were just a casual viewer and you haven't seen the Dominion stuff or the Vorta stuff or you know Jim Hadar, yeah. you get to get reacquainted with all three of those species. And the particulars, right? Almost to the point where I feel like they're going over from like there's that one scene with Dax where I feel like they're, which I think is a great scene, and they do a lot of shit with that scene. But that I think that they are kind of going over familiar ground. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. they did a lot of that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, they did that with with Odo and Waylon too. Yes, where they, they have did. that private mm-hmm. scene where where you get reacquainted with uh, what Odo's species means to his his people right. mm-hmm. yeah yeah because this whole season they've been like uh we had the klingons come in and we've got the klingon cardassian conflict like oh wait a minute remember they were doing they were setting up to do the dominion stuff and we haven't had a whole lot of dominion this season so far yeah and we get it in this and it spades well but- this is the first time in Two seasons, so we've seen a Vorta. I was about to say, yeah, and the Vorta are almost, yeah, <laughs> since Iggy Pop is that. Was, <laughs> no, we haven't seen Iggy Pop. He, oh, okay, well, but you have we um, had one other Vorta and the girl Vorta from that's uh, right, Jim, the Jim Hadar. Yeah, the last Vorta we saw was the traveling actor from the third season of Deadwood played a Vorta. Oh, uh, right, right, right. Yeah, but now we get our go-to Vorta and our go-to Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, guest star. Jeffrey Combs. Oh, my God. He's so good. So but, delicious. But it starts off, they're on their way back from a Breen privateers that have been raiding the planet, the Bajoran colony of Free Haven, the Richie Haven's planet. <laughs> Dax is talking to O'Brien about Molly's is jealous about the new baby, so she keeps crawling into bed with him or something. And, and Julian comes in to be like, well, you know, I was first in my class in pediatrics. And they're like, fuck you, Julian, you're not. And then with like war, it's just setting up because so much of this episode is like lunchroom hanging out scenes. Mm-hmm. And on the, the Defiant too, right? Yeah, on yeah. the Defiant. Yeah. They're like, Julian, you know, you're in Worf's seat. And he's like, I'm not scared of Worf. It's like, just because he lives here, I'm not going to get up. It's like, but you're in. It's Worf's seat. He'll be here in a minute. Come on, man. And then. Worf comes in, they stares at him, and Julian gives him a nine. And he's like, all right. And then he says, oh, you can have your seat. And then, then Worf sits down, and he's glad he has a seat. And then they get all called to the principal's office on the bridge. And he has now, to is this, Because of this scene, I was I was actually wondering if they're doing this through the whole episode. But the scene starts at, is that, I guess, is this a Worf episode? Like Kind of. In a way. You get like a several beats. But anyway, so it seems to me, and I haven't done a rewatch of Next Generation in years, maybe even 10 years. I have went through and watched several Worf episodes, but it seems like in the average TNG episode, Worf is kind of treated sometimes like a doofus. Yes. <laughs> he is like we talk about Worf, no, but but this kind of d- the dumb guy who's loyal, but you have like a short leash, but he's kind of dumb. This episode and a couple of episodes too, 
But this episode specifically is about showing Worf as an adult, as like a grown ass man who's tough yeah. and is ready for, I mean, I, we, we've done like rules of engagement where you see that, that he's close to being groomed for command, but that, that he's just a, like, he's a tough motherfucker and other people around him respond to that and not in, in like, in like a respectful manner. Yeah. But this is like, it seems like that they're trying to do a bit of a re a rewrite of Worf to show him as someone's left as a doofus, even though he does get in trouble in this episode, right. but more of a, well, but more of just a tough motherfucker yeah. and less of a Worf. No. Yeah. Part of it is that like, he's, he's the cool senior and they're a bunch of sophomores coming in, mm-hmm. you know, like it's like, wait, we've got Michael Dorn. We got to treat him like the big deal that he is now that he's on our show. Yeah. But but you're I think right. maybe yeah, that's what it is that they're treating him more like a warrior and less like a goon yeah, than yeah. the way they treated him before. So so that that I liked a lot. They all get called to the bridge and and then like shit gets real real fast in this episode. <laughs> right? Quick, yeah, it does. <laughs> Deep Space Nine has had like Pylon Three just destroyed, exploded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shit just got real. The the science lab, the reactor control facility, and several cargo bays have been I mean, hun- raided by this. Jim H- Hadar just come and fuck shit up. To use the discovery uh, language, uh, hundreds of souls must have died. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, there was... <laughs> We've lost uh, 18 souls. They only lost... 18 dead. There was only 18... So far, 18 confirmed dead. 31 missing and over 100 wounded. Oh. It's... Yeah. But, I mean, it's exploded. They exploded a whole pylon. There was only... Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. There was only... So many people on the pilot. Yeah, apparently it was off shift. It was but, the it was the third shift. Yeah, yeah. And you can cut back to the hallway scene from the Bashir's brain, not very good episode at the end of last season. I think, or mm-hmm. to where uh, it was the same thing where there was all these wounded in the hallway, and he's going one by one. It's not exactly related to the Bashir's brain episode where Cisco is treating wounded. There's a scene that it looked like, but this is so much better than that. Because, yeah, the whole pylon's been blowed, exploded. Uh, there's a great moment where, like, Quark comes in really afraid, like, Rob, he's, yeah. like, screaming for his brother because he's, you know... Has anyone he, seen my brother Rob? He talks shit, and he's, uh, he's awful to his brother all the time, but when he thinks Rom is dead, he's legit upset. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Because his brother was working in that pylon or something, and... and it, on the late shift and he comes in and they're like no uh, I think Kira's Kira's got like a big fucking burn on her arm she's but still doing her job still, still doing her job and she's like no it's okay Rom is okay Quirk he's like I'm gonna kill him I was so worried you know yeah once he finds out he's fine he reverts back to you know being violent and mean towards his brother after he finds out that he's right. fine so <laughs> sweet and shit yeah. real shit bird yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so they gotta go it was Jim and Dars they find that out all this Goes by really, really fast. Yeah. Like they find that Jim Adars. Yeah, yeah. Like they're, they're gonna go. They're following their ion trail hasn't totally dispersed yet. So they're and then Cisco is immediately like, "Oh, we're going after those motherfuckers." And Bashir has to stay behind with Kira because mm-hmm. he's not in this episode. They go through the wormhole really fucking quickly. They find a Jim Adar ship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. been attacked, uh, and they uh, warp them over. To uh, no, well, they tra- transport them over without their weapons. Transport protocol five, I guess, to arrest them. But I do notice one thing about the the warp over or the transport over is that they they don't allow their weapons, but they allow the tetrasil white to come with them. 
And there's no way they could have known what that was. Like, I don't know. Oh, it yeah. seemed to me as weird. But yeah, you got to have the Tetrasil White with them, though. So, and that's where we introduced to all of basically the best B actors of the 90s, B movie actors of the 90s. The ones that blew up Pylon 3 were Renegade Jim Hadar, which may or may not be related to the ones from Hippocratic Oath. I, in my head canon, I like to think that maybe they are, but there's it's never mentioned where these renegade Jim Hadar come from. They all died. They all died though, didn't? Pro- probably. Okay. But then, how did these renegade ones go off half cocked without the? Because they got the uh, the portal from City on the Edge forever. Yeah, right. And they, they're going to keep that. Well, I know it's not from that, but still, they're going to keep that safe. Right. But how are they getting their supply of white? That's my question. Because they haven't. They had to steal the products. The, they had to steal all the shit from Deep Space Nine just to get the thing working again. Yeah, I gotta say that I think that there's a bit of rewriting with the Jim Hadar. I think they corrected some stuff from earlier, where like it seems that they addict them. It seems like Wayun is saying that they addict them post. Yeah, like the, the addiction is not built into their genetic code. Which I think in the last two Jim Hadar stories, that was... They discovered that they're not... Yeah, or it is built into their genetic code now, but it wasn't always. Yeah. Like, they were like, oh, that's why we had to get them addicted to it. Because, yeah, he's just... It turns out really to to be a moot point for the overall story of the Dominion, though. Whether or not they're... White... To the degree to which they they need the white or not, I guess. I mean, it's still... it's later. It's of strategic importance and stuff. It comes up later. Oh well, yeah, that's true. But I'm saying, uh, as far as how uh, yeah the Dominion, you know, they never the Jim spoiler alert, the Jim Hadar never like turned their backs on the Dominion. Right. Yeah. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they they are they are sort of hinting that and like okay I and I just legitimately cut this out if I because I don't remember if this is true but there's never like a moment where like the Federation just decides like we're going to synthesize Tetrasil white and like go to some Jimadars and say, we'll give you this if you fight for us. I think. And if they did, the Jimadar would turn, would still kill them. Right. I think it comes up how they can't and they try to, and they can't get it to work. Oh, okay. Maybe not through it. So cut that out. I can't, um, but I'm not sure. I can't say for certain, but yeah. Wayun shows up and he's like, "Your psychographic profile is required reading for Vorta field supervisors." That's right. I, I probably know things about you you don't know yourself. This <laughs> about the emissary. If you're trying to impress me, you can forget it. Yeah, and I love yeah. that everything about Wayun is 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 a scam. It's so everything like he's so beautiful and he's such a Wayun. He's such a great actor. This is though, and I, it's so great. But wait, I got to tell you, this is his second best performance in all of Star Trek. Because Shran, the Andorian, pretty fucking great. What? Wait a minute. You think Shran's better than Wei Yun? I think as far as performance-wise? Maybe. I think so. Whoa. I love Wei Yun. I I love Wei Yun. I think I'm saying that I love Jeffrey Cohn so much that I think I wait. I don't know. I don't know. Let me go through this again. I don't know, man. I've watched the later episode. I've watched Shran more recently than Wayne, but I mean, just watching him in this episode, and maybe it's because I haven't seen. He's so great. It's like I I appreciate him more than I did the rewatch. Just like than I have previously watches. I mean, but anyway, so like they're renegade Jim Hadar, the Iconians, 
is a thing that built this portal like 200,000 years ago. Yeah, it's from a TNG episode, right? Called the something? It's called the something, yes. Worf even says, oh, I remember this because I was in that TNG episode. Now, those portals totally run on spores, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I can't well, I can't remember. Is it also the same portal that from City on the Edge of Forever? No, because that's a time portal, right? Not a location portal. That's a space god portal, too. Like, a space god opened it up. Yeah. And, you know, gave a talk before and after. Oh, it did, didn't it? Yeah. Hey, well, you they, weren't going to get just go time travel back then without a space god giving you a little, <laughs> little spiel. It was like a time... Sh- timeshare guy uh so wayun gives the spiel to uh cisco about how if these renegade jim hadara get it they're gonna wipe out the dominion and they'll take over they'll take out the dominion in less than a year and then they then they'll be on the federation and fuck them up so cisco's like all right fine we'll help you out Mm. Uh, yeah and they're not telling the current jim hadar about it because they believe that once the Jemadar hear about these right these other Jemadars that aren't needing the white and have access to all, like these invade that, that it's going to create a no well, way cynical he's like if my Jim Hadar figure out what's going on these other Jim Hadar maybe they'll turn on me too yeah but. yeah and essentially that Wayun he's so unctuous in his delivery because he's you know he's the animator the reanimator <laughs> that like it you don't like it, there's this great sense of like I don't trust anything yeah yeah and so as the as Cisco sort of agrees to go along with it you're like ah oh, you're fucking up buddy the second week in a row you've trusted some fuckers you don't need to yeah and <laughs> yeah and so it, it it's this great like it just gives like every interaction with the Dominion, the sense of yeah. of duplicitiveness. It's like you're buying a used car. Like every action that you do with these people, you know, it you're being fucked somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's this great unbalancing, and you can't trust anything. And I think that that's what the Vorta add that because the Jemadar are such blunt instruments. Right. They're basically like carbon copy. They're like Klingons plus. And so you don't, the, the idea of duplicitiveness or like that there's some sort of deception or intrigue to everything is just not there. Right. But the Vorta add that in and do a really good job of adding that. Yeah. Because even, I mean, since the first appearance of the Jim Hadar, they're like, oh, we are disappointed that you're not a Klingon. And then finally, when they beam on, they're like, look, a Klingon. We can fight it. <laughs> yes, they're so excited. They got, yes. They're so excited. And then Bre- uh, Brian Thompson just uh, just does a great job of sort of like uh, like being the personal front man to like attack. I, I want to I kill Worf, basically, is his viewpoint. He has the look of a warrior, but the heart of a coward. Uh, they, they've got the, the party line of we can't tell the, the Jim Hadar about the portal. And then Worf is like, lie? That would be dishonorable. It's one of those things that Deep Space Nine is doing right now that is so good, where there's a lot going on. And and there's a way that, like, as as shows we're watching and maybe doing podcasts about while we're recording this, (laughs) there's a way that a lot going on can overtake what you're actually, like, what's going on with the characters. And this episode is like a case study in how to, like, Sort of like take your time, yeah, because you have Worf and these several scenes where everybody's just having conversations to sort of absorb, yeah, what's all going on, right, 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 and yeah, and Worf like, and Brian. O'Brien is like, I don't give a fuck about line to the Jim Adar. yeah, I don't, you know, and, <laughs> right. And, 
it's 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 really Cisco has the whole like he has to explain the chain of command to uh, Amet Galan. He's like, listen, this is the way it is. <laughs> yes. And and then Amet Galan is like, well, okay, but I'm the first. He's like, no, I'm the first. Yeah. But, <laughs> I'm Major Domo. I'm the first. Yeah. It's just all of these like all throughout this whole middle. It's just basically a series of really great scenes between all the actors. Yeah, Worf has Brian Thompson is like, oh, you have the heart of a coward. Oh my God, that's a look. He has the look of a warrior, but the heart of a coward. You have the look of a warrior, but the heart of a coward. Yeah. And Worf is like, you want to fight? And, and stand Yeah, there. that's when they actually full out fight. And uh, it's it's all so delicious. Everything about it is, um, I mean, it's like, I don't know, like it's just a lot of like hanging out. It's a lot of. Yeah, yeah them sort of talking about like Odo and what is Odo's relationship with them. Oh yeah. There's these great moment where, uh, where Odo is like, he says, are you talking about me for being a traitor? And he goes, I got, we can't, we can't judge gods. Yeah. Is what uh, yeah. Link from Mod Squad said. Yeah. We can't judge a God for leaving heaven. And then Odo's got this great line and he's like, I'm not a God. And the sooner you understand that, the better for you. <laughs> like, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have this really great scene between Dax and a third Jemadar, one that's not Link or Brian Thompson. Um, but they go over information. This is what is a little bit of an irritation to me because, you know, we've done podcasts on every episode, is that all of these things are known about the Jemadar, but she's acting like it's new information to her. Oh, about that, yeah. Like they had a Jemadar baby. They had a, um, abandoned, I think. They had a, like a Jemadar baby on the ship and like she knows that they grow up real fast. She knows they're addicted to Tetracell. She knows that well, I guess she didn't know that they, they were all male, though. That's the one thing. Yeah, she didn't that, know how they re- yeah. she didn't know how they reproduce. Like, do you come in like do you like how do you reproduce? And he's like, well, we're made in a vat. Yeah. So it's not. It's I not. think didn't it say in that episode that, that they were genetically hatched or whatever? They maybe. Like, it seems like there was a lot of talk about their engineering. Yeah. And maybe that was just what I thought. It doesn't bother me because the scene is used to great effect. It's like, we don't sleep. You don't sleep. No, you don't eat. Uh, do you fuck? Yeah, do you fuck? <laughs> like, uh, there's like no, no Jim Hadar women. It's like, what do you do? You lay eggs or something? It's like, we have birthing chambers in three days. It's like, no wonder you're so angry. After 30 or 40 years of that, I'd be angry too. And then you get to re- regurgitate <laughs> it because they're trying to build the Dax wharf thing. So then they get to regurgitate yeah. it amongst the crew and they're like, wow, no eating or drinking. And wharf is like that, you know, who would. How can you celebrate a battle if you if you don't? And she goes, and no women. And he's like, well, women are soldiers and Klingons, too. And she goes, yeah, also fun at parties. True. <laughs> but fucking is nice. True. Oh, that was a that was that was a great line. And that yeah, that mm-hmm. holds up that that line and that whole notion about how Klingon women are treated as equals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice. really has held up nicely. Yeah. Yeah. And they set up the fact that she's like. Well, how old are you? He's like, oh, I'm. I I am eight years old, but I am a big boy. Yeah. <laughs> and and she's like, really? I would have thought that you were fifteen because you're acting like an emo teenager, mm-hmm. so angry. Or like, it's like, how old? Because you're acting like a surly teen. I figured you were fifteen. And it's like, I stopped counting at three hundred. And he's kind of taken back. So I guess the the big thing that happens is, is that Worf and and these guys have been sniffing each other's butts. <laughs> Uh, through, through most of the episode. And so they finally come to a head where they start fighting and everybody rushes in. Cisco rushes in, breaks him up. And 
Um, Omlek, what was his name? Yeah. Oh yeah, Met um, Kalan or something. Link from Mod, Link for <laughs> Link from Mod Squad <laughs> uh, tells Brian Thompson that you broke it. You've this is the second time that you've not listened to one of my uh, commands, and he goes, "I know, and I should be punished." And it's like great face, and then so like he like uh, Link just snaps his neck. Yeah. And then he looks at Cisco like it's time for you to snap Worf's neck. Yeah, right. And <laughs> <laughs> and Worf like is like, yeah, go to your room. Like basically. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, no, no internet all week. Okay. Worf. And so then that's that's this great moment between Clarence Williams and and Cisco where basically the you didn't kill him, I had to kill my number two. And that's where your clash of cultures comes in. And then basically at that point, he's like, you know, I'm going to fuck kill you when this is all over with. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're weak. When this is over, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And so, and Cisco just takes it like, that's what we like about Cisco is he just, he's, yeah, he's just smooth and he takes it in in step. And even in the next scene, I believe it's like Worf is like, (laughs) yeah, he's like, aren't you supposed to be in your room? (laughs) He's like, how did you, how did you know that? That guy wanted is good, said he's gonna failed to kill me, and he's like, "Well, Dax told me." He's like, "Yeah, of course she did." <laughs> he's like, "He's like, well, you know, just in case he does kill you, just rest assured, he will not live for very long afterwards." <laughs> that was cool too. That was one of my favorite parts of the yeah, yeah. of this. Yeah, yeah. You know, Worf it, just work. Worf just works on Deep Space Nine. Oh man, especially against a, a an adversary like the Jim Hadar. Yeah, this is kind of what you want. To yeah. Do. When you have this sort of character that's so different from the Federation or the species, you know, the Klingons are so different from the Federation to see them evilly matched is is uh, a delicious thing to watch. You know, because oh, yeah, yeah. the gloves can come off to a certain extent. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting later down the road. I, that's all I want to say. Yes. Yeah, 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 yes. Yes, they, they, I mean, they, the Jemadar Klingon antagonism stays solid through the rest of the show. And it's, it's so. Yeah, they do it upright. They do. Yeah. And and it all starts kind of here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's even mentioned in the first appearance of them, but yeah, this is where it really kind of keys into. One guy ends up, ends up de- dead because of it. <laughs> and then Wayun comes out and is like, Hey, Odo, I'm creeping on you about the founders. They still love you and you want to come back. And, uh, what I love about Wayun is when they're in the lunchroom and he's just trying to eat his meal, like, all the Jim Hadards come up and it's like, um, it's time for our fix now. And Wayun just like his disdain for all the rituals and stuff. He's like, God damn it. Just let me, just let me finish my lunch here. And they're like, no, it is time. It's like, okay. Very well. And then the, like they have like the, the words they have to say and just Jeffrey Combs, just like delivery of just like how he does it. All right. Um, well, it's like another day at the office for him. The, the words are completely yeah, hollow yeah. for him, and he's just going through the motions during his lunch time, and it's so wonderful. Right, right. First, Omeniclon, can you vouch for the loyalty of your men? You know, and I get the impression, and this is just me, like, the script, that that's all interpretation on the screen through the actors. Yeah. The script could have been, they had to do it, play it straight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no indication in the narrative that he had to deliver it like that. It felt like a choice. But yeah. LeVar Burton or Jeffrey Combs, somebody somebody had the idea that he should be like tragically bored. Yeah. You know, or put out by having to do this this mundane task. Yeah, yeah. 
to this you receive the reward from the founders. May it keep you strong or, or whatever. And they're like, yes. Yeah. Oh, that, and then that, later. I thought you were doing the scene where the where the oh, yeah. Blank from Scott gives a speech. And then I love that. Well, they oh. then they have before they're going to go raid the Luther Vandross for <laughs> planet. It's Vandross for. For the ziggurat. I love that word ziggurat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, OK. So back to the way Odo scene. Yeah. Um. That was written for another reason. Oh, and they they don't they didn't get it in shot. This is a snowman situation, <laughs> and they didn't get it in shot. But Wayun touches Odo at some point. Oh, that was supposed to come back in to uh, play three episodes from now at the finale. Say no more. Yeah. Uh, okay. But they didn't show it in the cut. Yeah. So they had to come back later and sort of clean it up in the, the finale of the season. But it, there was supposed to be the start of a, a of a thing huh. there. But it didn't it didn't get shot right. And then they, they it didn't they there was just not there to show it. So that was uh, yeah something that was going on there. So that brings his his whole lines about like I'm an expert at lying and yes, I, you know, I'm good at it. That brings a whole other level to it since he's doing something shady there. Huh? Yes, he is. He's doing something shady to Odo that pays off. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. So, yes. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. And, and then so then they're about to go to kill Luther Vandross, kill him softly. Um, <laughs> and then but uh, O'Brien has going to the ziggurat. Yeah, they're going to the ziggurat. <laughs> Uh, th- also, the scene with O'Brien giving the goodbye message to Keiko. That was a beautiful scene. To Dax. Oh, yeah. That's great. Like, how did they cram all this stuff in this episode, man? There's so much good work. It was great. It's it's good they stuff. Did a, yeah. They did a really good job with all this stuff. This, it's yeah, um, I was like, oh, this is my 11th goodbye message. You know, I, I'm averaging like two a year at this point. Yeah. And then she's like, why don't you just tell her? It's like, man, I don't, that would scare the hell out of her. You know, like, oh, it's, it's so good. That's the you real know? world building stuff that I enjoy. Yeah. Where you, you run down little, little pieces of their reality. Yeah. And have them work within the story. That's, that's the kind of world building I'm here for. Cause it's, it's characters. Not, it's not just like obligatory. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's also, it, you, you actually, it's not just character stuff, but you get, like that's an aspect of Federation life, mm-hmm. and when you're in weird fucking space missions all the time, that yeah, I mean, two a year sounds reasonable. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Right, right. And then he's like, "You'll still take the log, right?" And it's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll put it right next, right after the ones I write my mom or something." Yeah, it's like, "Oh, I'll put it right after my message to my mother." And it's like, "Oh, that would be interesting to re." visit later on but spoilers they don't <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> um yeah no, no no you gotta leave these fail like these little breadcrumbs and maybe you can pick them up later i guess they yeah they don't though um and then then you get the scene where they all go down and before they do they're handing out their little space rifles <laughs> and uh the the jimadar delivered this like badass speech where they go I am dead. Yes. And now I fight for I fight to live or something like that. This is idea that you're. Yeah. Yeah. You, I don't know. And I think that I've read that that's a like some other army has said that or done that before. Um, like in real life. Oh, yeah. Viewed it that way. But um, basically that you're already dead. Yeah, that's not creepy at all. Yeah, it's not creepy. <laughs> no, not and at then, all. And then like my favorite moment is that, 
you know, and what makes you like, like watching Starfleet and watching the Federation up against these, one of the best joys that you have is that being a human is sometimes like a, like a depressing thing, but they make you sort of joyful of just humanity. And that was one of them where he, where O'Brien gets it and he goes, I don't want to die. <laughs> that was what <laughs> You're right. Fuck everything that guy just said. I'm alive and I intend on staying that way. And then like they, you know. I am first and I am dead. So in battle, I will cre- we will reclaim our lives. I am very much alive and I intend to stay that way. So fuck y'all. So, and then Cisco says, amen. Yeah. <laughs> so that's almost the theme of this episode is this idea that, um, that this this variations of how how each other views life and performance, where Link from Odd says that if I didn't kill Brian Thompson, I no one of none of the Jividars would respect my command. And Cisco makes well, if I killed Worf over a minor infraction, then no one would respect my command. Yeah, because they view it as that secure, like the Jividars view it as what is productive and strong for the to ensure victory. They have no sense of identity. Right. Where humans right. are soldiers fight for commanders who respect their lives <laughs> and respect their identities. And so in, in Cisco and that sort of, you know, like they're both right in their cultures. Right. And so that that was right. That was what I liked about it. But then, you know, it, so that's the theme of the episode is these two men. Yeah. Yeah. And how they view leading their units. Right. Right. And that was just a good. That was a good case in point that didn't involve Cisco necessarily, which is how they view war. Then they go down to the planet and they land in the woods and then they, the Jim Hadar are like, you fucking assholes, our weapons don't work. <laughs> yeah, our weapons <laughs> don't work. <laughs> and Dax is like, wait, 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 no, I know this. I did the same thing the last time I was in a canon film. Yes, uh, <laughs> the last time I, I invaded a ziggurat. So, okay, so then they, they're weaponless, and then they get attacked by Jemadar, who also can't have laser rifles, too. Right, because, uh, yeah, dampening field, just like in Blood Oath. Yeah. That's the reference I was talking about. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, and, like, to go to Angry Nerd Corner here for a second, why did they decloak before they attack? I understand why ships do it. It's because they have this energy expenditure to run the cloak. I get that. They've explained that enough. <laughs> why do they decloak before they punch a guy? Um... Well, we don't, um, well, uh, we don't really know enough about how the Jim Hadar cloaks work. So it yeah. may be if once, once you hit something, it could disrupt the cloak or it could be dangerous. You might have a, so you can run with it on, but you can't punch with it. Sure. Maybe the, it only, it doesn't expend to the soles of your feet. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that was just the one thing. I, 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 they do it because you know, they, they have to have like, that would be, that would be hard to. <laughs> <laughs> that right. would be hard to do uh, with with special effects, but yeah, it yeah. just seems like that they always like, you know, if I had a body cloak, I would just be beating these motherfuckers up like with the cloak, like you know, predator style. Yeah, but, right. Well, if we're gonna do D and D rules, uh, an invisibility spell usually fails as soon as you attack. Why is that though? Uh, because it's not a greater invisibility spell, <laughs> which <laughs> lasts after an attack. Oh, so they needed upgrade. So they had like the old shit. They were working off the Android, yeah, yeah, yeah. not the iPhone invisibility cloak. <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. So my favorite thing about this is that now they have to use existing weapons. And what they end up using are giant cheese knives 
to fight each other. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly what they look like. Yep. It's like, okay, this is awesome. And they, they have a, and then it becomes a clan and action film. And it was actually 45 seconds longer of great hand to hand combat. And um, the Paramount and Rick Berman made them cut a bunch of it. Just for time? Violence. Oh, too violent. Wow, oh, man. What a shame. Yeah. Not too, not too violent for Star Trek nowadays, huh? Yeah. We went over this before and I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to put any innuendo in it, but we've talked before about how much LeVar Burton likes working with Terry Farrell in action sequences. Uh-huh. That's something that's come up before in this uh-huh. podcast. It uh-huh. comes up here too. And I think that he just filmed a lot of footage of her fighting, uh, including killing more Jim. <laughs> Say no more. Yeah. And like killing tons and tons of Jim Adar and like to an unreasonable amount. Oh, that's interesting. And, huh. and so, and they put it all in, but uh, Iris even bear is really grumpy about the cuts and he was really grumpy with, uh, he believes it ruins the episode, but, I don't know. I mean, but, he, you know, he co-wrote this with Robert Hewitt Wolf, right? This episode. Yes. Oh, is that right? Yeah. All the writing about the, all the stuff I read about the writing of the episode is all Robert Hewitt Wolf, though. So I don't know. But I mean, I've seen Bears in the room. He can put his name on whatever. But I mean, they're writing parties. Yeah. So. Robert Hewitt Wolf. It's got team die all over it, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they all got the scripts and they all got Kool-Aid goatee. Like. <laughs> All right. Uh, yes. Uh-huh. So people die. Ramir- they lost Ramirez too. Yeah. Again, that's a critique. They left people inside the ziggurat, but I guess they only had a certain amount. It was, it was about to explode. Right. But they did carry one right. guy that was still living out. So. And then, oh, and while they're at the, the portal, they flash by San Francisco and some other planets. Yes. Uh, not Romulus. Fuck you, Star Trek Discovery. No, sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, like, it would have been fine. They'd been to Romulus. It could have been. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It may but, have been, actually. I don't know. Uh, uh, they, uh, yeah, they, they show a couple things. But um, then they fight them, and then O'Brien comes in with a bomb and blows it up. But yeah. uh, before they do... With a chemical uh, trigger instead of... Because of the dampener. They take no bad blow away why the bomb will still go off anyway. That's all I'm saying. In the middle of this, a Jimadar jumps out and tries to kill Link from Mod Squad. And Cisco, like, it's kind of like a lame ass, like, choreography, but, like, kind of, like, yeah. shoves his shoulder in. That takes was the one. Blow. Right. That was one of the, it was a low camera angle. And it was, a, it, but, like, that was one of the, the scenes where, bless his heart, he was trying to cram. Like yes. three things in a box, you know, at a low <laughs> right. camera angle. Yes. And if you if he ended up the way it was framed, you have a guy standing on the left hand side of the screen. You have a guy on the on the right hand of the screen, and you have the enemy attacking from the middle. And it's not very fun to describe on a podcast, but if you had a wider shot, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'd have a bunch of negative space where it would almost your attention would, would be almost. <sighs> It works as as best as it can for a TV box, yes. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yes. But it is an awkwardly shot and and blocked yeah. scene. But yes, yeah, Cisco ends up saving the guy. I guess because he takes a hit, I guess, in the shoulder, but he just kind of holds his arm. I right? think he takes yeah, the cheese. He's stabbed. I mean, the, che- the guy's got a he's stabbed in the shoulder. Yeah, the guy's got a cheese knife, right? Yeah. And so he yeah, takes right, it right. with a cheese knife saber. And I and then it's enough it's enough of a distraction to let Link kill him. Right. And then then Link Link says, "Like, why did you? Why did you say my? Life? I was I said I was going to kill. I'm I'm going to kill you in like two minutes when we get out of the cigarette." And, and he goes, "Why yeah, did? Like, why yeah. would you he say like, you just you just saved my life?" It's like, well, and Cisco smooth as hell. It's like, yeah, it looks that way. <laughs> That's what he says. 
<laughs> and he goes, so why would you do that? And he goes, uh, it's it's like faith, Link. If you have to, like, if you don't have it, you don't understand. But no, uh, basically, if you have to, so it's this that humans. Yeah, if you ask, you'll never understand. Mm. And so it, it it's probably for the, I mean, it's it it is sort of a case study in how humanity's view of self-preservation and death minimization and all of that in times of war, how that could be a success. It's the first time that like a, like a, that a, a Jimadar has probably seen like yeah. what they used to like read as weakness is now like you see them as a strength, you know? And it's a perfect, it's like a perfect kind of example of, you know, what we say we want Star Trek to be about, you know, that like, that idealized vision kind mm-hmm. of that maybe other Star Treks don't bother doing just yet. But, uh, <laughs> but he's just like, yeah, of course I did that because that's, you know, that's what we stand for kind of thing. And it, it is the, yeah, I mean, like there's the diversity, but I mean, and I, there is the sort of, uh, I guess I, it just happened in my life, but it, it happened three weeks ago with, or four weeks ago when it aired. But on um, Discovery, Kate Kate brought this point of view that like that the show has got a that all the Star Treks have or not Kate is it Kristen? Kristen had a call. Sorry, That's Kristen. That uh, all all of Star Trek has this sort of air of, of like it's about kind of like colonialism, but like a really good version of colonialism where humanity. That's the original has, series. Yeah, yeah, not the original, and, and but like that humanity's evolved. And we go out to have these clashes with cultures and it's always sort of that our evolved self is always right. And I think that that, and you know, and like that's the, the Jim and Dar are wrong morally in the way that they view their lives, but it is a little bit where, you know, there is this sort of like explaining to. Right. Yeah. These face nine and is how do we preserve that? When faced with these cultures. How do we preserve that? But there's always these moments where you're explaining or showing evolved humanity to races less evolved. And that way we get to feel better about ourselves. And that's that's the thing I like to see right now a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> like there's times where I would have been more cynical about that kind of stuff. But yeah. watching humanity that's not like stranded in hell world is uh it's nice it's nice it? it's nice to see guys <laughs> and uh that was yeah and so i you know i think that's a feel good like, like that's a feel good moment in the episode so. yeah it's a this is a feel good ending except and then wayun pops back up and Emmett kalan immediately kills him yep he gets smoked yep <laughs> he gets smoked yep that was for questioning our loyalty because oh yeah at some point when they're in they're in a turbo lift or something he's like oh yeah Oh, we know about the fucking portal, man. Yeah. And and Wayun is like, oh shit. And he's like, look, man, we're Jim and Har. We live for you guys. We're not gonna be betraying you like these other guys were. And and Wayun, the cynic, doesn't really buy it. Yeah. But the guy was right. And he dies for it. <laughs> oh man, that sucks. I was so excited for Jeffrey Combs in this and they just killed him. Yeah. My favorite <laughs> <laughs> What will ever will I do? They killed Wei Yun, those assholes. Yeah. Now he will never come back and play this role. <laughs> I will never see him again. I was learning to care about him. <laughs> I loved his <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes. Um 
And then they, and it's, that's basically it. Like, yeah. And like then they're they basically like, basically said, "Let's get the fuck out of here." And then the credits roll, like it was the end. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like we ain't got time for the rest. You know, you can fill it in. <laughs> yeah. And you're, like, hey, we can. They get back to the station. And everything resets. <laughs> it was a perfect moment, like because I think at some point O'Brien is like, "I'm ready to get the hell off this planet," and, and like, and, <laughs> and, and Cisco goes, "I agree with that." They should have like they should have clapped hands, and then it should have freeze framed, <laughs> and they should have played "You're the Best Around." <laughs> like, the, all right. Yeah, it's in the way that you use it, or it's "You're the Best." It's around. in the way that you guys. Before we move on to the uh, rewatch meter and the other segments, have any final thoughts or loose strands of or notes? Uh, uh, no. Uh, Let me void through my. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) Let me void through my notes here. Solid stuff, isn't it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, this is some solid. I wish on the rewatch meter. Where would you guys put it then? Well, I was going to make one little thing. I wish that that was Tetrasil blue or green or something other than white all right just a personal I thing <laughs> like i i think i know why but i don't want to hear the answer in the poorly lit <laughs> scenes in the poorly you know i think that it's it stands out but yes it does it yeah. does but bright green would <laughs> it is gross looking <laughs> yeah, it's so gross this is the first time i've ever noticed that it's, you could actually see little bubbles as it's pumping through the, into their necks <laughs> yeah they have little motors in their costumes yeah all right. Yes. Uh, so okay. The on the rewatch meter. Yes. I'm gonna put it in eight. I'm put it at a ten. I'll watch the fuck out of this episode all the time. This is what I like about Deep Space Nine. Yeah, I think I would too. I'd I'd I would put this one at, at a ten. Like if I was gonna rewatch a Jim Hadar episode, this would probably be one of them. It's got hot scenes. Yeah. It's Jeffrey got Combs like, alone. Yeah. It's yeah. Got yeah, right, right. yeah. It's it's got all of this stuff. So it's what I like. It's not. And very little Bashir. No Bashir. <laughs> yeah. It could have used maybe some Kira with some Jimadar. I wouldn't have mind seeing yeah, a little yeah, bit that of that. Been, yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah. But I mean, you gotta... You, but yeah, it, the Bashir scene that we do get is pretty good, though. If you're yeah. gonna have Yeah, them, she's pretty great for the three minutes she's in it. Right. She's, mm-hmm. she's bad burns. Like She's like, I, I don't know. She's like, she's badass. Yep, yep. So it's good stuff. I think it does a good job of like one of the things I would ask, I guess, real quick, is that Robert Hewitt Wolf kept saying that he wrote the episode to show that the Jimadar were the most dangerous threat in all of Star Trek. Like that uh, every time you, they, they show a lot of like when they show the Cardassians for multiple episodes, when they show the Klingons for multiple episodes, you always walk away. The more that you know about these alien races, the less scary they are to the viewer. Right, right. And that he wanted to make an episode where the more you knew about the Jimadar, the more scarier. I don't know if I felt that way coming out of it. No, I feel like the the only the only Star Trek character that's ever or bad guys like the Borg. They're unrelenting and creepy ass. Like yeah, they give some service to that when in the writing where they're like, mm. yeah, if they get this portal, they'll take over the Dominion in within a year. But yeah, they're still not as like intimidating as the board. Yeah. yeah, I almost think that at the, maybe at the end, I liked it. Don't I just gave it a t- like a ten on the rewatch meter? Yeah, yeah. But it's almost thought that maybe that Clarence Williams, uh, or Link from Oscar, I think his name is yeah, Clarence Williams, almost played too not too nice, but too respecting of Cisco at the end. That there was like a meeting of equals. Yeah, and like well, that it seems like that you're well. Yeah, well, he, it, you see that there's some reason yeah. through all of the bluster, and so I think that makes it a little less scary. So, well, he's like he is like 
okay, I'm not going to kill you now, but mm -hmm. next time we meet, it will be enemies. We're staying behind to kill all these other bastard oath breakers mm -hmm. of Jim Hadar. But next time, next time I see you, and I will definitely see you, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. I, I don't remember if he shows up again or not, but I don't remember. Uh, you guys want to guess what the good people of IMDb thought of this episode? I don't want to overshoot again. I'll go 7.6. I'll go 8. Yeah, it's a 8.1. 719 people voted. Damn it. Wade said he didn't want to overshoot it. I was like, Wade, you can overshoot. Uh, yeah. It's... I can't I can't imagine a critique of this episode at all. No, I can't either. But man, I've been off every time I've been overshooting. You're doubting yourself. I, like, oh, I just can't win, man. You're doubting yourself too much. You're, cho you're, 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 you're choking up too much on the bat, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I this whole season I've been off, man. My game has been off. It's because it's good. The next episode is uh, mm -mm. is like quickening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's it's a Bashir episode, folks. All right, oh. it's a sick people. It's a medicine Bashir episode. Yeah. Oh, the quickening. I this I think I remember it being good, but maybe I'm just remembering there's a pretty famous GIF from it. Um. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a, yeah, this is a, this is a noted episode. So we're getting pretty damn close to the finale here. And, uh, everybody on the discord server is talking about how uh, hard it's going to be for us to mm -hmm. white album this. And I agree, but I'm looking forward to trying. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, me so too. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Yes. I might be easier. It might be easier for me than than others. But you've like this. This season's had a much higher batting average yeah, yeah. than any other season. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic season. But yeah. if I'm making a, a white album that has a through line, I think like what, what I can, I can, I think I could do that. All right. So is it? It's time to move on to voicemails and emails. It is. Yep. Yeah. Such a delightful people. I am Chief Miles Edward O'Brien very much alive and I intend to stay that way. Oh, man. Let's get it done. Oh, hey, everybody. Uh, we're into voicemails now and feedback and whatnot, so let's just jump into it. At first. Okay, so here we have one from a first-time caller, I think, or messenger. Oh, yeah, I one of those in a while. John from Pennsylvania. Oh, all right. Yeah, we've got a few of these. Well, just let it speak for itself. Don't we already have a Pennsylvania person? We don't need... States don't need to double up. Okay? <laughs> we can only have 100 listeners total. Yes. <laughs> because if we get two from each state... The Senate, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, hey, this is uh, John from Pennsylvania. Um, I love your show. Uh, I've been really sick lately. Uh, I don't know. I've had some kind of problem. Um, and um, it's been really nice to listen to you guys um, on your show. And I really appreciate it. And I really like the um, the uh, uh, scary leftist propaganda that I get from um, from your YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so the episode this week you guys are doing is a, a Maisel Barrett episode. And, you know, like when I was a kid, these episodes were like the shit. Like I loved them. But um, I don't know. Like people don't like them. Um, it seems like people don't like them. Like anyone, anyone who's an adult that watches the show doesn't like them. So I guess this is like, maybe it's like the kid episode, you know? Like maybe it has the Major Barrett jokes in there for for the kids. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I like them or not anymore because I, um, I don't know. I just, I have nostalgia for them. So I don't know if I do or don't like them. Hope to finish out your show. It's really good. Um, 
But if not, uh, thanks for what you guys do. Um, you know. Hi. <laughs> no, cool. Yeah. That's cool to hear from a new, a new person. Yeah, thanks a lot, John. That was great. I've never really thought of Majel Barrett as being a, a, a kid favorite, but I could see, I mean, she's a maternal voice in a show that doesn't have a lot of maternal voices. So maybe if you maybe if you don't think you could ever go home again with some shows that you liked as as a kid, now that you're an adult, you shouldn't rewatch He Man. Like we've talked about that. <laughs> yeah, we've gone over that. I love the shit out of He Man as a kid, but man, I don't ever want to revisit it as an adult. You're not stoked about this David Goyer movie? No, no. Those toys were pretty cool. The toys were pretty well designed. Those cartoons were shit. The animation was shit. The plots were shit. Yeah. I, I still, like, I mean, yeah. I was watching them again recently when they got on Netflix, and I was like, why does each one of these episodes introduce three new characters every fucking episode? <laughs> so you will buy them. That's <laughs> yes. Because of the toys, yeah. man. <laughs> yes. But I don't know. Do you guys feel that Majel Barrett is a, is a, is maybe Majel Barrett has charms to younger yeah, I, younger viewers that that maybe lost to us. Oh, I thought she was charms for the older viewers. I think she's charismatic. I could, I, did too, I, right? I could see how a kid. I like her now. That. I don't think that she's a weak spot. Yeah, on kids. The shows now. I, I think, I think the muse is kind of a weaker spot, but I don't hold it against her. I'm like, yeah, man, you know, you know what? Give it to her. I mean, I don't know if that's patronizing or not, or what, like. I think she's best as number two on the... I think she's got more mature storylines in Deep Space Nine. The three that she has in Deep Space Nine than she has in all of Next Generation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have said before that I think a DS9, Majel Barrett's my favorite uh, Loxwana Troy stuff, but mostly for that first uh, Forsaken episode. Yeah, like, that's the best. That's the only one that I... that. That's the only one that I'll stand by as a good episode. Well, wait, wait. Her and it's in the first season or second. Her part of that episode is good. I hated the rest of that episode. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Fair uh, enough. Yeah. Yeah. But all right. Well, thanks a lot for the call, John. It's good to hear from new people, and I appreciate. Yeah, it's to, and keep calling in, man, because uh, we're gonna piss you off at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. And we want to hear from you. <laughs> yeah yeah our reach is to piss off it's to alienate everyone every person that likes us mm. because because we hate ourselves or uh, no wait yeah, no. yeah we, i can only speak for myself <laughs> drama sells in the podcasting world and we try to create as much of it as possible <laughs> right right see uh we and then we have another call here from Warren. Oh, very nice. Okay. Ten rent in Seattle about the muse. Everybody, people got people have things to say about the muse, which is uh, more than we did. We have to stretch. Fellas, Warren in Seattle again. Just uh, dropping in to uh, talk a little bit about the muse. I just got to listen to your uh, podcast episode covering that, and oh boy, you guys are brave. I, uh, full disclosure, I skipped that one when I did my original, uh, watch of DS9 a few years ago and, and subsequent rewatches. I stay away from it because I don't know. I feel like Luxwana Troy is pretty much the Jar Jar Binks slash Happy with you in the Star Trek universe. She is just unbearable to me and it's, it's like nails on a chalkboard, man. I, I can't do it, but you know, love listening to you guys. I figured I'd go ahead and take the plunge and God, it sucks being right all the time. Uh, oof. <laughs> 
Yeah, that episode is really, really bad. And, uh, you know, not to belabor the point, because I think you guys, you know, did it justice in terms of uh, running it over the coals and, and giving it its uh, due diligence in terms of a good, solid beating. But um, just one point to bring up there. I, I thought it was insane that Luxana, when she was on the run and needed help, uh, went to Odo, who, you know, is, is great. Uh, a nice, solid uh, presence if you ever needed to, you know, dig into your bench and, and get a good ally, but her daughter flies around on, you know, what, 300 million metric tons of go fuck yourself. She's on <laughs> the Enterprise out there, and if, if ever there was a place to run to in order to, uh, you know, fend off uh, a, a troublesome bow, I think it would be uh, running to your daughter in the Enterprise because, you know, Picard ain't going to play that shit. So in terms of the timeline, I don't know if they were, uh, you know, in the middle of fighting Tom Hardy or the Borg or whatever was going on in the TNG timeline at that time. But, yeah, it just seems insane to me that of the two options, you know, running to Deanna and the Enterprise and going to Deep Space Nine and Odo, she would choose Odo. Um, so, yeah, whatever. Um, and, and lastly, I just wanted to um, drop uh, another uh, uh, request in there. I know a, a few months ago at the beginning of the year you had talked about um, possibly in the future – um, doing the opposite of the white album, which uh, I think was what Hugh had said rightly that that would not be the black album, but it would probably be the magical mystery tour. <laughs> and God, I hope this makes your guys' this magical mystery <laughs> tour uh, recording, if indeed you guys do it, because this is just awful. I mean, just awful. Right up there with Equilibrium, right up there with Babel. Um, yeah, just just really, really bad. So, um, yeah, hope you guys stuck a pin in that, because I would love to hear your magical mystery tour and uh to go on that tour with you here maybe when the, the series is all wrapped up but um anyway thanks for all that you guys do and i will talk to you next time bye i definitely still want to do that he's right Sorry. well yeah we should do that we oh, should yeah. definitely should do that but he is right the enterprise is a better place to go hide also because it it you can't get tracked down on something that's always moving mm-hmm. i mean <laughs> right. this but the station is had- in the same place it's easier to get tracked down. Yeah. How do you track it down? Her daughter, I don't know. She's well, she's in love with Odo, right? That's the concept. Yeah. And and then maybe maybe yeah. she's also in love with Picard. Uh, yeah. Well, Pepe Le Pew. She's less Pepe Le Pew on Deep Space Nine than she was with Picard on TNG. But we don't know where they are right now. I guess maybe they're on some secret psyops missions because they're near the bottom. They're they're whatever they were. They're still not. They're still not to first contact yet. Yeah, so. they're nearing it though. They're in the. They're getting there, but they haven't got the cost. They still. We know they're near it when they get the new uniforms, right? Is that when they get what? Is it first contact where they get the gray uniforms for everybody? I don't know if everybody does. I know. I think they do. They, on the, yeah. I don't know. I'm not the uniform guy. DS9 gets the same. <laughs> I'm not they, the uniform guy either. I don't. Uh, yeah. I don't yeah. We, uh, we chase that guy off. I think chronologically <laughs> it's near first contact. Yeah. Yeah. Our uniform guy didn't listen to the podcast. Oh, no, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. I love that guy. <laughs> I love that. I love yeah, that. Like, like. <laughs> He accidentally just got like the best own against us, and I like he was like, "Oh, I don't listen to podcast." We were like, "We went over this on the fucking podcast." He was like, "I don't listen to podcast." And I was like, <laughs> "You're like, wait, what am I talking to you oh, for?" Oh, yeah, but I was like, "Owned." <laughs> right, you got me, motherfucker. Because it just it's like it comes from such a position of power. That's what Don Draper would say. I don't listen to your podcast. I don't listen to podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well. Uh, 
on that note, guys, we should we should wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> is that all the phone calls for this evening? Uh, let's see. Who was that? That was Warren. Warren. Yeah, I believe that was it. Oh, yeah. God, thank you. All right. Let's outro this bad boy. <laughs> yeah. Let's, uh, all let's, right. Let's finish this fucker. Let's, yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thank you, Warren. Thank you, everybody. Uh, yeah. So, hey, everybody. That was that was our um, B-Bet segment and podcast. History is made. Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, sorry. <laughs> I lost what I was talking about. Anyways. Yeah. Thanks a lot for listening. Um, if you want to talk to us about Deep Space Nine or whatever, give us a call at 917-408-3898. And, you know, uh, let us know what you think. Or send us a voicemail if you're international or whatnot. Uh, try to keep it under three minutes. And uh, send that to us at rules of acquisition podcast at gmail.com and yeah and whether you're international or whatever and you want to hear more from us about whatever it is that we're talking about on there check it out you can find out more about what we talk about on the paid portion of things at patreon.com slash kickers of elves because we do a lot of other stuff over there that uh, people can get into. All right. Whatever. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Rules of Acquisition. For James, Wade, and myself, three to beam out. Bloop. Wow. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes? They will play them on air and try to be nice to you because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication. We know you love that. Again, 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes. <laughs>